Before I begin, I must give a trigger warning. In this episode, I will talk about and give examples of violence, especially as experienced as young women. And I am aware that any conversation around this particular topic has triggering effects. And so it is completely all right if you decide to not listen to this episode. Hello, my loves. It is that time of the year when civil society, NGOs, advocates, activists from one end of the world to the other come together for the global gathering to call for an end to the violence. Over the years, we have done everything from protest, negotiate, beg, cry, and die, asking for the same thing and the violence. Each year we have defined violence in every manifestation, verbal, physical, sexual, financial, emotional, and cyber abuse. We have outlined exactly how it happens, how to look out for it, where and how to report the violence. We have also trained everyone possible in efforts to simply end the violence. Yet here we are, in the 31st year of the 16 days of activism, calling for an end to the violence, again. And this year we're saying, let us unite. Let us end femicide. Now, femicide defined by the many NGOs out there is the intentional killing of women But it does not only mean the homicidal killing. It also means death of women because of systemic failure to ensure the protection of women. That is, if the government fails to provide the necessary structures for justice, leading to the death of women and girls, on the basis of poor health or no access to health at all, death by intimate partner violence, death by lack of access to safe abortion, Death because of discrimination based on disability, race, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity, age or background. It is femicide. And in that understanding, the streets of Malawi are tainted red because the number of women dying because of all those reasons is just so incredibly high. And it's still rising, especially after COVID and now the economic crisis. Now there's a, there's a common misconception that violence of any form happens at the hands of strangers, meaning that perpetrators will likely be someone you do not know, but in truth and in reality, and based on all known statistics, Perpetrators of violence are oftentimes family members, seconded by family friends, then friends and workmates, people from church, and lastly, strangers. That means that the people who violate us are people that we know, 
and we're most likely close to them or have been close to them at some point in our lives, either as children or as grown-ups. I used to speak about the violence I have experienced. I don't speak of it much anymore. I prefer to speak about it in therapy where it's safer to break down and cry. In fact, one of my greatest breakthroughs was in therapy. My counselor at the time was an older Catholic nun who sat me, who sat me down, who sat with me and she just let me cry until I couldn't anymore. And she told me that it was time to take care of the little girl, you know, younger me, who was still stuck in those moments of violence. And it was time to move on. When I was younger, I experienced physical violence by peers, mostly boys, when I would reject their advances. I experienced sexual violence in many forms, including the incessant harassment, which seems to be an occupational hazard now, but that is a topic for another day. <laughs> but I realized later, you know, as it became more defined generally, as a form of violence that I had also experienced emotional violence, especially after I started dating. And that's what I want to talk about today. In Malawi, we are not exactly allowed to talk about emotional violence, which is why it goes unnoticed, unreported, and a lot of young people are suffering in silence because of that. Like, do you remember that song? Ha, we used to sing that song when we were kids in, in, in secondary school. And now, even now, I know it's still sung when, when you know people are getting married. But it doesn't only apply to marriage. It also applies to these boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. And even in situationships. Now, emotional abuse, defined, is a way to control another person by using emotions to criticize, embarrass, shame, blame, or otherwise manipulate another person. In general, a relationship, whether it's intimate or a friendship, is emotionally abusive when there is a consistent pattern of abusive words and bullying behaviors that wear down a person's self-esteem and undermine their mental health. Emotional abuse is one of the hardest forms of abuse to recognize because it can, it can be subtle and it slowly chips away at your self-esteem and you even begin to doubt your perceptions and your reality. And even though it may not be physical, it does sometimes involve threats of physical violence towards you or your family or your friends. And it starts gradually, it starts very slowly, but it becomes more and more extreme. And it happens again and again and again. And unfortunately, emotional violence is one of the most atrociously common forms of abuse and one of the hardest forms of abuse to walk away from. 
a big part of it is the gaslighting that follows the abuse. So for example, if your partner tells you that you're mistaking their love or their passion for you for abuse or violence, or if they ask you, you know, why you would do something to make them so angry that they had to react that way, or when they're asking you why you're so sensitive about an issue, sometimes even tell you that you're just overreacting. That is a form of emotional abuse. It also takes the form of your partner shit-talking you to others. And so, you know, after they shit-talk you to other people, be it your friends or your friend groups or your family, or even random strangers on the internet, right? And so you have random people on social media or your, your friends distancing themselves from you or in other cases, people start to bully you or call you names. And in extreme cases, they, you know, people start to threaten to physically assault you or even actually physically assault you. That is emotional abuse. Now listen, there are these things called red flags. We've talked about these a lot. And emotional abuse has some of the bright red ones too. For example, making unreasonable demands. Like expecting you to put your entire life aside just to meet their needs. Cutting you off from everybody that you know. Asking you to change your entire life, your identity, the way you dress, the way you look. And then threaten you to say that they'll leave you if you don't do that. Or sometimes when you get into an argument and you're asking your partner why they would do something like that to you, whatever the issue is. And then they're asking you and demanding from you that you tell them the exact date and times when those things happened. And then when you cannot do that, they will dismiss the event as though it never even happened. Gaslighting, you know. It also looks like undermining or dismissing your reality. So literally telling you being too sensitive or too emotional or telling you that you're acting crazy. telling you that you're blowing things out of proportion or you're exaggerating telling you that you're being selfish or needy or materialistic if you tell them what you need from them you know sometimes they you know your partner may be behaving so erratically and they may be so unpredictable that you just don't feel safe anymore that you always feel like you have to walk on eggshells around your partner guilt tripping you <laughs> refusing to take responsibility for their actions and then blaming you for their mistakes <sighs> controlling or isolating you you know there are many many forms of emotional abuse and that the at the at the core of it is just disrespect and many times we feel it in our gut <laughs> now 
I must make this very clear because I know there are many people who have spent time. I even have blocked some people and deleted some numbers and called some people and I know I know a lot of people who often dispute conversations like this. And then there's the usual pissants who instead of listening, you know, like shutting the fuck up and listening, they're always quick to say, you know, men go through this too. Now listen, listen very clearly, hey? At no point in these discussions and conversations like this do we ever say that this is a special form of violence that only women face. Nobody is exempt from violence, and yes, men experience it too. And there is space for that discussion. There is space for that discussion. But it is not here, right now, and it is certainly not with me either. Because my reality is that I have experienced violence primarily at the hands of men. And so my activism is in response to that. And so to you lords who respond to podcasts or any messages posted anywhere with men are abused too. And then afterwards, you do absolutely nothing to advocate around that issue besides post on your social media that men get abused too. But you also only ever post about those things when a woman is talking about the violence that women experience. Please, this particular group of people, please, I ask you kindly and politely to fuck off. Thank you. Moving on. The bottom line when it comes to emotional abuse is that it looks different for everyone. But the common characteristic is that it slowly eats away at your core, your self-esteem, your self-worth, your joy, your peace, your reality. Because it is all about control. And one of the first things when it comes to control is making you feel smaller, erasing your identity. And many times it starts as this small ball of uncertainty when it starts happening, your reality starts to shake. And then you have this bulb of anger and anxiety that as the abuse continues, it just grows and grows and grows. And your reality at the same time is being shaken constantly. And so it starts to break. And then at some point, you simply just cannot take it anymore and I know there are a lot of young women who feel that in their friendships relationships and even situationships you see those red flags we talk about and laugh about on Twitter Instagram TikTok on WhatsApp those are all elements of emotional abuse But, like many other forms of violence, you can actually report emotional violence. And if it's too overwhelming to report, 
you can talk to your friends. If it's too overwhelming to talk to your friends, you can talk to your counselor, a pastor, if you have one that you feel safe with, a priest, maybe, I don't know, a safe family member, sometimes even a stranger, if that feels safer than talking to anyone else we are closer to. Honestly, <laughs> I am 27 years old now and honestly, I still don't have a solution or, you know, a direct response, honestly. But what I do know is that I am a little bit stronger now, you know, in that I am able to recognize the abuse, whether it's in an intimate relationship or a situationship or a friendship. I'm able to recognize it. And, and even though it takes some time sometimes to walk away, it takes a little tug and a little pull. And sometimes it takes my girls having to, you know, scream at me so that I face my reality. But I am glad that I am better placed now to walk away from emotionally abusive situations. And step by step, I have been. And just taking control of my own reality. <laughs> and I owe that to the people who took their time to explain to me what emotional abuse looks like. And that's mostly been in therapy and some family members and, and some friends <laughs> took their time to explain to me that emotional abuse is not normal. You know, no one deserves to be violated in any way. And so, I just wanted to share this with you in hopes that it helps someone. And the way that someone talking to me and someone mentioning this to me helped me. That being said, I wish you all the love, all the light, and all the joy, and all the peace. Until next time, this has been Adulting with Jessica.